You may be seated. Good morning. Uh, I want to welcome you here this morning in attendance to Harvest Church and welcome you, those, uh, those of you who are joining us on live stream. We're glad you're able to do that this morning. My name is Wes Selectman. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I'm really thankful uh, for that opportunity. I'm really grateful, honestly, for the opportunity to preach here uh, today. And we're going to be in Psalm 65. So if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bible, Psalm 65, that's going to be our text. And before we read God's Word, I think I'll state the obvious. 2020 has been a tough year. It has arguably been... On, on a whole, on a national and global scale, the toughest year that any of us have ever experienced. You may have had an individual year yourself that's been tougher than this one, but on the whole, this is probably the toughest year for any of us. So I want to read Psalm 65, and after I read it, I'll provide you some context which I hope helps you appreciate this psalm. Because how do you close a sermon out in 2020? How about with a song of praise, a national song of praise written by a king all about the goodness of the God of our salvation. Amen? If you're able, would you please stand to your feet for the reading of God's word? Praise is due to you, O God in Zion, and to you shall vows be performed. O you who hear prayer, to you shall all flesh come. When iniquities prevail against me, you atone for our transgressions. Blessed is the one you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple." By awesome deeds, you answer us with righteousness, O God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, the one who by his strength established the mountains, being girded with might, who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the people, so that those who dwell at the ends of the earth are in awe at your signs. You make the going out of the morning in the evening to shout for joy. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain for so you have prepared it. You water its furrows abundantly, settling its ridges, softening it with showers and blessing its growth. You crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. The pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and sing together for joy. This is the word of God for the people of God. And God's people said, praise be to God. You may be seated. Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, praise is due your name. And we thank you for hearing our prayers. We thank you for covering our sins and iniquities. Help us to be satisfied with your goodness and your holiness. And may your name and your name alone be exalted here this morning and forevermore. Amen. You might not want to praise anything but the end of 2020. And I hear you. We're looking forward to all this mess being over with. But let me provide you with a little bit of 
context about what we just read. So maybe you can appreciate the words that were written. First of all, this is a national song. And it was intended to be sung at various Jewish festivals, specifically two Jewish festivals. Okay, the Jewish calendar was marked with annual festivals, six, seven, eight of them, and two of them happened during the fall. One was the Day of Atonement. This was a celebration of God's covering and removing of the sins of God's people. And they would have sung this song nationally, collectively, as a people during that festival. The second festival happened five days later, and it was called the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles was a celebration of God's goodness and his bounty and his provision and protection while the nation of Israel was wandering in the wilderness for 40 years before they ever entered in the promised land. But it also doubled the second part of the celebration was to celebrate, since it was in October, the final harvest of the year and God's provision and bounty. Verses 1 through 4 is a description of the praise of God's people. Verses 5 through 8 is a description of the praise of all nations. And verses 9 through 13 is a description of the praise of all creation for the goodness of the God of our salvation. So context number two. These festivals existed for hundreds of years before David ever wrote this song. So what prompted him to write this and make it a part of those festivals? Well, the entire nation had just come off of a year marked by national catastrophe that decimated their way of life. It was likely a drought, a major drought combined with a famine for months. It wreaked havoc. It disrupted the economy. It disrupted the food supply. It damaged public health and safety. It limited their ability to worship properly. They couldn't come to the temple and worship properly because they needed grain and various animal sacrifices in order to worship and make offerings to God their Father. But those were in short supply because of the lack of resources. And this would have incited fear. It would have incited maybe some panic, possibly societal unrest and violence as they competed for the resources. They probably fought in Walmart over toilet paper too, okay? And it would have caused death. It would have caused death in their society. But David, reflecting back over a tough year, he couldn't help but praise God for what was truly important in life. And that is the salvation of sins. So David begins his reflection over the tough year with praise for God. Now the Hebrew text, that opening line, praise is due to you, the Hebrew text reads this way, silent praise waits for you. And it is the idea of praise in anticipation of the coming mercies of God. David is saying, Lord, Lord, during our tough circumstances, during the struggle of our year, we know you're preparing your mercies, 
we are preparing our praise. But we must be careful here because David doesn't lead his praise even though God eventually relieves them of their circumstances, he leads with the praise for the forgiveness of sins and not the relief from their circumstances. Salvation is always primary, and even though our circumstances kind of stink right now, they're secondary to our salvation. He says in verse 3, when iniquities prevail against me, you atone for our transgressions. So David is reflecting back over his year, remembers how in the midst of the struggle, his iniquities and sins began to rise up and prevail against him. The famine must have been bad enough that it not only affected the entire nation, but David himself and the comforts of the kingdom of the, of the palace felt the effects of the famine too. And when the beauty and the bounty of life was altered, sin stepped in and tried to prevail. And I don't know about you, but when the shutdown happened, this was true of me. And for months, it's been, it's been true. Um, when it happened, I felt the weight of my sin trying to prevail against me. Fear, anxiety, selfishness, and honestly, I'm thankful it happened. Now, make no mistake, I'm not thankful for the pandemic. I'm not thankful for the loss of life. I'm not thankful for the loss of jobs. I'm not thankful for the chaos and the hurt and the suffering that our circumstances have brought here today. But I am thankful for the fresh perspective it's given me in my life. And hopefully, it's given us all a fresh perspective. See, before I was called to ministry, I was a professional forester for a decade. My job was to steward and manage timber resources on 150,000 acres in Tennessee and Kentucky, in the mountains of Tennessee and Kentucky. That's 234 square miles. Israel got punished and had to wander in the wilderness. I got paid to wander in the wilderness. It was a great job, and I loved it. And my kids asked me this week, in fact, and I get this question a lot, Wes, what was your favorite season in the woods? It's kind of a tough question to answer because, honestly, uh, it, the, the spring and the summer and the fall, the forest is alive with beauty to behold and bounty to enjoy. There's always something beautiful to look at, and there's always something good to eat. In the spring, beginning with the eastern redbud trees, they begin to bloom in purple, and then the wildflowers spring up out of the ground, lady slippers and wild lilies. And then the morel mushrooms pop up. They are rich and delectable and hard to find. And then the ramps come on. You don't know what a ramp is, do you? Yeah, you live in the delta. These grow 2,000 feet above elevation. They're like a cross between a wild onion and a piece of garlic. Chop them up, put them in your scrambled eggs. They are delicious. And in the summertime, more trees, different trees begin to bloom and bud. And different flowers spring up each month. And then the leaves come on, the foliage of the trees. And they provide healing relief from the heat of the day. 
And the summer berries come on, the blackberries and the wild huckleberries. And the most delicious but most difficult to find are the red mulberries that you can eat. And in the fall, of course, the beauty of the changing colors of the leaves come. The ginseng root begins to be able to be harvested. There are pawpaws. You don't know what a pawpaw is? It comes on the pawpaw tree. It's like a sweet avocado. They are delicious. And then the shagbark hickory nuts come, and you can crack them open and eat them, and the black walnuts too. Each season is marked with beauty and bounty, and the forest yields its fruit each month. I can testify to you what verse 12 says, the hills gird themselves with joy. But my favorite season was winter. When the beauty and bounty of life faded away and the leaves of the forest were removed, it afforded me the opportunity to see clearly, to see farther, to survey the landscape, to see the contours and the undulations of the mountains and be able to see what they really were at a core level. It gave me a fresh perspective on the forest. And so 2020 has stripped some of the beauty and the bounty of life from us. But as I reflect back on this year, as I examine the contours of my life, as I look at the landscape of my heart, I've got a clearer picture of the sins that began to rise up that I didn't even know were there and tried to prevail against me. These were deep-rooted sins that were hidden and affected me at a core level. And so the shutdown provided the exposure I needed to see these. And there were many. The worst, the worst for me personally, was a spirit of discontentment. I've been wrestling with it for months. Maybe you've been wrestling with a spirit of discontentment or anxiety or fear or whatever it may be. God's been working me over. Just like the time I told my grandmother to shut up and then slammed the door and broke the door and woke my grandfather up from a nap, I got worked over there. God's working me over now too, okay? But the discipline's good for me. It's making me a better person. And I've realized I can't prevail over these sins alone. I need God. Without God's atoning grace in my life, without God's sacrifice, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, without the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, and without the goodness of God's word, I felt powerless over my sins. Which leads me to declare with David in verse 3, God, you and you alone atone for our transgressions. Help me prevail over my sins with your righteousness. So here's an application point for you in the coming year, 2021. We're headed to the new year and usually make resolutions and add this to your list of weight loss programs and budget resolutions and book clubs and all that other stuff, which is good things. How about you make a sin resolution? Write it down. How about you spend some time over the next several days surveying the landscape of your heart and find out what's been going on at a core level? My question for you is, what 
has crowned your year in 2020? What sin or false hopes has dominated your heart and your thoughts? It's captivated your attention so much that it becomes an idol. It gets elevated above the king. Whatever it was, I encourage you to surrender to Jesus. And I promise you, it will lead you to a place of praise and not despair. And we'd love to help you with that. Our staff, our elders, as you think about this over the coming weeks, something comes to the surface and you're like, I don't know how to fight this. We'd love to come alongside you. I invite you to fill out one of our digital prayer cards or email us or something. Let us know. We'd love to come alongside you and assist you, provide some strength from God's word. So that's my offer to you. What has crowned your year? And I got a special application here for those of you who've not been able to come worship. Those of you who have been safer at home, have been enjoying us from live stream, this is a bonus application. Look at verse four. Verse four says, blessed are the ones you draw near to your presence that dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house and the holiness of your temple. I know that you who have not been able to worship us for months You can't wait for the day to come back in here and worship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Guess what? We long for that day too. But know this. God is preparing his mercies. You get busy preparing your praise. And when you walk back in this door, you better be the loudest, most joyful, most worshipful people because you've been drawn back into the house once his mercies have been provided. I'll be here to give you a hug or a high five or whatever you need. But our ultimate place of satisfaction is in the presence of a holy God. And so know that because you've placed your faith in Christ, he has already drawn you near. Well, the psalm continues, and in verse 5, David transitions from the praise of the people to the praise and the hope of all the nations. And it says, by awesome deeds, you answer us with righteousness, O God of our salvation. Friends, there is nothing else we need in 2020 but righteousness. That's the hope for us all. And not our self-righteousness, but God's holy and perfect righteousness. And this is the hope of all the ends of the earth and the farthest seas. This is a hope that permeates the whole planet The salvation of the Lord can extend from the highest mountains to the furthest seas. There is no sin that is too deep or too dark. There is no person that's too far away from the equator to an igloo that is too far for God to reach. It is the hope for the entire world, salvation for sins. And as we skip down to verse 8, don't miss the imagery of these following verses. I love this. He basically says... Anyone under the sun who experiences the goodness of creation itself can and should be in awe at the signs of God. He mentions the going out of the morning and the going out of the evening. That's sunrise and sunsets. Everyone loves a good sunrise and a good sunset. You ought to be able to look at it and, look and see and reflect and praise God for that beautiful display 
in creation. He continues in verse 9. He says, God, you visit the earth and you water and enrich it greatly. The river of God is full of water. Lord, in your abundance, you provide our grain, you water our crops, you soften the earth with showers and bless it with growth. Lord, your beauty and bounty are everywhere, which leads David to say in verse 11, Lord, you crown the year. Nothing else does, Lord. You're the one who crowns the year. We testify to it. The nations testify and all of creation testifies that you crown the year. We just got done celebrating Christmas. Christmas is the time when God visited the earth as a baby in a cradle, fully God, fully man, living water. God visited the earth as living water in a cradle. And he grew up, he lived a sinless life, and eventually he went to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles, the very feast where this song would have been sung. And he stood up and said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That's John chapter 7. Kenan preached on it earlier this year. It's one of the best sermons I've ever heard. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen. And after he said that, he went to the cross to atone for the sins of the world, to bring us into the beauty and bounty of God the Father. He went from the cradle to the cross. But he's going to visit the earth again, this time with a crown. He is going to return to judge the earth and those who are still under sin. And he's going to reap the final harvest of those whom he has saved. And we will be delivered into the presence of this holy and good God. Revelation 22 gives us a picture of what this scene will look like. Jonel, if you'll throw those verses up on the screen. Revelation 22 speaks of the day when God's people are gathered around the throne in the new heaven, in the new earth. Listen for the imagery in these verses. Verse 1, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. brightest crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. His servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There is coming a day when no longer will anything be accursed. A day when there are no more pandemics, no cancer, no hurricanes, no droughts or famines, no anxiety, no fear, no death, no sin. There's coming a day when the landscape of our hearts is not marked by sin, but it's marked by holiness and righteousness. And no lack of resources. No winter where the resources are depleted. All 12 months will yield their fruit. But only those 
who wear Jesus upon their head and their heart like a crown will be in the presence of the Lord for all eternity. So my second question is, for any of you that are out there that haven't trusted Christ, he's not your crown. What will your crown be in 2021? What will your crown be in 2021? See, the truth is, we've been in a worldwide pandemic since humanity began. A sin pandemic. And 2,000 years ago, a vaccine was released. This vaccine wasn't made with human hands, it was made with nail-scarred hands. And I hope the COVID-19 vaccine works. I hope with all my heart. I hope it works. I hope we're freed from this mess so we can get back to the beauty and bounty of life. But there's an assurance of hope that Jesus gets us out of the sin pandemic. We can be sure of that. I believe it with all of my heart and with all of my soul and everything that I am that Jesus Christ will relieve us one day from the sin that affects all nations and creation in our very hearts. Sadly, there's some hoaxers out there. There's some naysayers. There's some people that believe this book is fake news. There's some people who believe that Jesus is not the way, the truth, and the life. There are other ways to get to heaven. There are people who believe that, yeah, Jesus may be good, but man, my life's good enough. Surely he's not going to reject me. My sin isn't that bad to get condemned. That's fake news. The truth is, Unless you wear Jesus upon your head and heart like a crown of righteousness, there's no hope from the redemption of sin. And so we praise God that he gave us the opportunity and the ability to trust in Christ to be freed from this. We praise him for it. See, the best weeks in the forest in the wintertime or when God sends a blanket of snow that covers the landscape. The snow provided the perfect contrast, the whiteness of the snow against the darkness of the bark of the trees. And it allowed me to see clearly, it allowed me to see further and more accurately from ridgetop to valley to ridgetop what was really going on in the forest, the contrast of the snow helped me see. And for believers, for those of us who have trusted Christ, Jesus is that contrast in our lives. He allows us to survey the landscape of our hearts and our life so that we can see more and more clearly. It's why we sing, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Amen. Praise God. He covers our sins. If you've never trusted Christ, I've got an offer for you. I'd love for you to send me an email. Wes, W-E-S at harvestmemphis.org. 
I'm fixing to get in the car and drive east. I'm headed to the mountains. I hope the snow's still there, and I'm going to be in the car for five hours. I've got time. I'd love to talk to you if you have doubts about the truth of the Bible. I'd love to talk to you if you don't know much about this Savior, this King we speak of, the one who's returning with a crown. I'd love to have a conversation. I'd love to know what you believe. And so that's my offer. Send me an email. I'll call you today and we can chat. And if we need to set up a time later to chat further, we will. For the believer, what has crowned your year in 2020? For those of you who haven't believed, what will crown your year in 2021? Tony's going to come up and sing a song in just a second. It's called You Crown the Year. It's written based on Psalm 65. It's a new song that most of you probably hadn't heard before. And the danger of introducing a new song to a congregation is they get nervous. They don't know the words. And so they kind of sing. Let's not do that today. Belt it out. He's prepared his mercies. You prepare your praise. And let's sing to the goodness of the God of our salvation. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being a good, good Father. We thank you for your mercies. We thank you for the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ that has covered our sins. We thank you that it's the hope of all the nations that even though they're suffering on this earth, you will return one day and remove that suffering. But until then, give us the strength to survey our hearts, to prevail over our sin. Be the contrast so that we can see clearly the sin in our life and we can have redemption from it. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.